We've got a packed episode for you today with some talk about Easton Cowan and Denver Barkey over in London, uh, the ripple effect of the Kirby Dock injury in Montreal, and we'll close things off with a brand new segment, Keep Up or Send Down for some NHL prospects, all coming up on today's episode of Locked On NHL Prospects. You are Locked On NHL Prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome back to Locked On NHL Prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. On this podcast, we break down everything prospects rated for you five days a week, Monday to Friday. I'm Hattie Kalakesh, shown by Sebastian High. And on today's episode, uh, we'll start off by talking about Easton Cowan and Denver Barkey over in London. They've been playing really well. Um, we'll kind of talk about their games and how that's developing on that side. Then we've got a second segment. We'll talk about the the ripple effect of the Kirby Doc injury. Uh, Doc was Yuri Slavkovsky's center. This also op- opens up some opportunities for some uh, some prospects over at uh, um, some prospects at forward over in Montreal uh, that are playing Laval right now. We'll talk about all that, and then we'll end things off by looking at some of the prospects that are eligible to be sent down to the to the CHL and look at whether they should be kept up or sent down. Um, all that coming up in today's episode. Before we get into any of that, just make sure to like and subscribe. Leave us a comment letting us know what you want us to talk about next. And if you're listening on your favorite podcasting platform, make sure to make us your first listen of the day. It's always very much appreciated. So let's start things off with Easton Cowan and Denver Barkey over in London. They call them the twins because they play so similarly. Um, what's your take on, first of all, Easton Cowan go, coming back from a really solid camp in Toronto and just immediately hitting the ground running in uh, London? Let's start with this game and what you've seen from him so far this year. Oh, my God, yeah. Easton Cowan's the best. I I, I love watching Easton Cowan play hockey. He's one of the most, yep. uh, like, feel-good hockey players in the in the, in the entire CHL. And, mm-hmm. uh, I, I mean, he was one of the, the, the few draft picks where I, like, actually cheered when he got picked at, at the draft uh, this past year and yeah. um even though perhaps not a pick that i would have personally been able to make in terms of sacrificing on the upside that was still on the board uh but a great pick nonetheless i mean with easton cowan you're getting a player that is just so 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 much fun and so hard working and uh, that's already been so clear for him to start the OHL season. He's been like, as you said, he hit the ground running both in terms of production, but also his entire pastiness. Like he's, he's already annoying every single OHL player he's playing against. Yep. And he's an absolute pain to to have to face on the ice. And uh, yeah, it's great to see that, that, that it's, it's already starting again. I mean, uh, like Easton Cowan and Denver Barkey were two of the players that that made London such an enjoyable team to watch last season. So I'm very excited to see how they do this year. Uh, mm-hmm. Very curious to see if Denver Barkey can take a couple of steps with a skill game and see if he's able to kind of entrench himself as that top liner in the OHL. I think that would be a great outcome this season for him uh, yeah. and, and kind of to keep pursuing that chemistry that he has building with Easton Cowan. They were called the twins not only because of similar play styles, but because they were basically paired together the entirety of last season, and they were just always together on the ice, off the ice, very good friends, but also just on the ice have amazing chemistry, and it's so so yeah. much fun to watch. And they both have comparable mentalities on the ice. So uh, yeah, no, it's been great to, to to see so far with those two players heading back to the OHL and. Uh, Easton, Easton Cowan's definitely showing why the Maple Leafs took such a big risk on taking him in the first round. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Cowan's up to five points in three games so far, but Denver Barkey has 13 yeah. points in eight games, seven goals, six assists. He's four points clear of everyone else on his team. Um, the second best scorer on that team, uh, believe it or not, is Sam Dickinson, a defenseman that's eligible for the 2024 NHL draft. Um really good for him as well uh, and Casper Halton in his third on that team with seven points including five goals uh, in eight games as well um, really solid lineup for London this year I'm excited to see how that kind of plays out for them um, but that combination of skill sets here and, and Barky and, and Cowan is just so tantalizing and already with Barky playing so well without Cowan having Cowan jump into that lineup immediately play on his line and the twins just peak just pick up where they left off I think this is fantastic for both the Toronto Maple Leafs, uh, Ethan Cowan, and the Philadelphia Flyers, Denver Barkey. Barkey was drafted, uh, you know, two rounds after Cowan, but I see their skill sets as quite similar, and I see them as quite comparable players in terms of overall impact and upside. So um, what do you think of, of Barkey so far? And, and do you think that, you know, as he continues to develop and, and cement himself as a top liner in London, do you think that we could be talking about a potential steal in a couple of years of a player who went 84th overall, who shouldn't have gone 84th overall, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, I think we're already kind of in that conversation, and we were at the draft as well. Denver Barkey's a player that, at the very least, us at Double Prospects adored the entirety of his draft year season. Uh, he was the player that was on our radar long before Easton Cowan was uh, mm -hmm. last season. Uh, he, he, um, Barkey came off to, he got off to a pretty good offensive start in London last year, whereas Easton Cowan took a little bit longer to get going. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, again, b b both players are, are are kind of defined by uh, their inside-driven mentalities and high pace of play and and slot-oriented uh, like attacks, despite mm -hmm. being undersized players. And they're definitely comparable in that way. Yeah. I, I do think that Easton Cowan's a bit more like like pro-ready uh, in terms of. But I think he has more professional habits that he has layered into his play. I think that he's a lot more calculated with when he takes risks than Denver Barkey. Denver Barkey is a bit of a gung-ho player at times. Yeah. Uh, but that's also what makes Denver Barkey so much fun to me, is that he's able to take those risks. And he he, he does play that gung-ho style where he he takes some stupid risks sometimes, but it, it does pay off relatively often for him because he's very, very skilled. And he's able to, to, to execute some really high-end plays that... Even Eason Cowan might not really be able to execute. Like these are two players who, like one definitely is more projectable and has a higher likelihood of hitting the NHL long term, and that is the one that was drafted in the first round. Yeah. But Denver Barkey shouldn't just be written off as a as an undersized skill player. He he is quite projectable in many different ways to the NHL game. He plays a strong physical game with his small stature. Uh, he he evades pressure but also fights through pressure he's a ton of fun and watching the two go at it together again this season is just such a joy uh and absolutely yeah as you said picking up exactly where they left off in the ohl playoffs where they absolutely lit it up and uh i i don't think they're taking any steps steps back this season that's for sure absolutely and i said he did fourth overall for Denver bark he was actually picked 95th overall yeah um, it was late yeah, yeah like it, he's He's going to be good. Um, I've been a big fan of him since day one. I was, uh, I, was I think, the earliest on the team to kind of mm -hmm. jump on that bandwagon and 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 uh, kind of put my foot down for, for Denver Barkey being a, a borderline first-round talent. So, yeah, he, he's really impressive and has been showing so far for London in this uh, early season so far. So, yeah, two very exciting players. But, you know, are we talking about two players who could end up being kind of in that top scorer conversation for the in the OHL, or is it way too early to have that conversation? 
Ooh, it's tough. Uh, it's tough to say with, with Easton Cowan just because we don't really have much of a track record of OHL production with him just yet. Yeah. Whereas with that Denver Barkey, I think there's a bit of a stronger foundation there of uh, being able to project him as a potential like top five, top ten scorer in the league. For sure. Uh, with Easton Cowan, I think where he's going to be so valuable is really just like the the, the nitty gritty details of the game rather than the the raw production. Uh, in the OHL, you rarely see the best players in the league actually topping out uh, the, the the point totals uh, because it takes so, so, so much more to project as a high-end NHL player than to produce mm-hmm. offense in the OHL. Yeah. Uh, and there are many shortcuts that players can take to get that OHL production that don't necessarily translate to the NHL level. So with yeah. Easton Cowan, my expectation for him is less so on the side of him being like a top five, top 10 producer in the OHL and more mm-hmm. just in terms of continuing to develop the pro habits that could make him an NHL player as of next season already. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think that, you know, Cowan has set himself up so well with that camp in Toronto to be able to be one of the guys who's in consideration next year if he continues to build off his game and shows even more of what we saw from him that was so good this year. I think really the only main thing that prevented him from being a, 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 from at least getting the nine game stint in the NHL to start the season was just the fact that Frazier Mitten was so good and you had to take a pick between the two with a lineup as, as deep and as stacked as the Toronto Maple Leafs is because neither one of them is getting top six minutes, right? So um, I think this is fairly impressive as a star for Cowan and Denver Barkey's off to obviously a torrid start in the OHL so far. So I don't think it'll be long before we see both of them at least get some some looks in the NHL and then we'll see how projectable, I mean, we see how projectable Cowan's game is, but Barkey's still in question. So I'm excited to see how that develops for him. Um, that's it for our first segment. Really excited about these two players. Uh, but we'll talk about Kirby. Ter- Kirby Doc's long-term injury um, and how that affects uh, what the ripple effect of that will be on the Habs uh, prospects right after these messages here at Locked On NHL Prospects. Snap into action this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets, guaranteed when they place a $5 bet. That's $200 in bonus bets that you can use on anything, ranging from spreads to player props to over and unders and far more. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action than right now. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. All right, so moving on to our second segment, we'll talk about Kirby Doc's injury and how that affects the Habs prospects long term. Um, so Kirby Doc has um, suffered a hit um, off of Jared Tenorti, noted first round Montreal Canadiens pick uh, Jared Tenorti, um, who sent him flying into the bench. And after that, he went limping to the dressing room um, after a couple of minutes there and didn't return in the game. Um, the Kings, it, it originally seemed kind of innocent, but after um, a recent evaluation, he's still being evaluated. As of right now, we don't have the news on exactly what the injury is and how long he'll be out. Um, but it's 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 been said to be significant. So Doc's probably out for a decent amount of months. Um, so yeah, I just wanted to kind of talk about how that affects the Habs prospects. First and foremost, Uri Slavkovsky, who was on this line, was playing really well off of Kirby Doc. Both of them are developing chemistry, and now all of a sudden, Doc's out, um, and Slavkovsky's left to um, kind of readapt to new line mates. Um, Alex Newhook's going to be playing center. I'm guessing is going to be on his wing. And they'll probably bump up one of those third-line players on Montreal, um, that veteran line of Monaghan, Pearson, and Gallagher. 
probably one of them is going to get bumped up. So let's talk about how that affects Slavkovsky. Let's assume that we're looking at a line of Slavkovsky and Newhook Gallagher, for example. How or Harvey Pinard. I, I, uh, yeah. I have a sense that Harvey Pinard is going to kind of leapfrog that third line. I think that Todd Monahan's the one player on that third line that will be used intermittently to plug holes in the top six. Yeah. But I don't think that Gallagher and Pearson are going to really see extended minutes inside the top six this season. From I'd what, be surprised what, from what we've seen so far, or what we've seen like in terms of preseason and and overall line combinations, yeah. Harvey Pinard is the one that I think is the easiest to kind of bump up. And yeah, uh, regarding that, I think Harvey Pinard is a better complement to that line than Gallagher for sure. Um, but what what do you see will be the impact on Slavkovsky's game overall, and how how will he have to adapt his game in order to play with with a different winger on his line and with a center who's left handed and all that stuff kind of changing around him? Do you see a bit of an adaptation period? Do you see that as better for him? Do you see as something that you know could hinder him long term? Kind of what are we looking at here for Slavkovsky? Well, I don't think the doc injury is going to help his development. Uh, I I'm, I also don't think it's going to tarnish it either. I think that uh, Newhook and Slavkovsky have uh, been building the most direct chemistry of any two line mates on that line, including Kirby mm-hmm. Doc. I thought that that Doc was perhaps the most valuable player on that line, but in yeah. terms of that instinctual chemistry, I was seeing the most links between Slavkovsky and Newhook. So yeah. at least you have those two components sticking together. Uh, and while Raphael Harvey Pinard is definitely a downgrade from Kirby Doc in terms of overall uh, ability, I do think he adds an element that that line was lacking in terms of having a player who is uh, very, very highly effective at getting plays done in the dirty areas of the ice. Whereas mm-hmm. beforehand, you had basically all three players taking shifts uh, in, in getting to those dirty areas. You saw Sapkowski do so a lot quite effectively. But mm-hmm. Kirby Doc isn't exactly the player that that that, that goes to those areas all the time. He's yeah. more finesse based and skill based. He likes to play with open space, whereas Raphael Harvey Pinard excels when he has uh, about a square inch to work with. So I, I think that he's going to definitely add. He would add a different element to that line that I think yeah. would, would 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 be beneficial from a hockey standpoint. Uh, as far as of costly development, I, I definitely think it hurts him because uh, Kirby Doc is a tremendously intelligent player to, to, to play alongside. And I think that uh, playing with him was really unlocking elements of Slavkovsky's game that we hadn't really seen at the NHL level beforehand. For sure. uh, but in terms of like the actual effects it has on development for any player involved here, we're basically just going to have to wait. I think I'm personally most, most concerned of how it will affect Kirby Doc's development specifically. If he's out for like four months or something, yeah. that is a really, really big hit to take. Uh, but I'm also curious to see if this opens up a hole in the lineup that is used uh, to, to give game time to a young player currently playing in Laval, like Joshua Roy, for instance, who's been, I, I believe he has two goals and two assists in two games so far. So four yeah. points in two games in the AHL to start off his professional career is excellent. And uh, he's a style of player that you can kind of just plug into a, a middle six NHL line and he has a role that he can play. Whether or not he plays that role highly effectively from the onset remains to be seen, but he can definitely plug those those holes a bit higher up in the lineup because, because he has that offensive skill, he has the anticipation, he has a lot of professional habits already that kind of give him a firm foundation to, to play bigger minutes. 
Yeah. Uh, but is he a player that, that, that you'd like to see called up here? And if he does get called up, would you keep him in a reserve bottom six role? Or would you actually give him the opportunity in that top six with New Hope and Slavkovsky? I'd start him off by playing on that third line of Pearson and Gallagher. He play, he skates at the same speed as them, so I don't think that'll be a major concern, right? <laughs> I mean, we're talking we're talking about uh, two of the slowest wingers yeah. in the NHL um, with with Hwazer center, and you know, if everyone's skating at the same speed, it doesn't really matter. I mean, they're, they, as long as they're building play incrementally and kind of you know building play up the ice effectively, like I don't mind, um, especially if Joshua Hwazer is going to be in a position where he could become kind of a, a more, more of a play driver. Cause that's always been the concern with Juarez. He's not necessarily a skating player. He's not the type of player who's going to carry the puck up the ice and all that stuff. He's more of a give and go move into space, you know, play well off the puck type of player in transition. Um, you know, obviously giving him a player, you know, eventually giving him two two players like Newhook and um, and Slavkovsky would be really good for his game because he can delegate the play driving to them and then, uses good off puck movement and use a shot and transition and all that stuff which is where he excels um and i think that new hook would be a very good combination with hua in terms of complementary skill sets but overall to start things off i'd start him off on the third line see how he works um a bit more play driving into his game if he can't and if he continues to kind of delegate the play driving to his teammates then bump him up to, to the second line and have him play with true play drivers that would also give Slavkovsky an opportunity with doc gone and with with players that are aren't, aren't as effective play drivers as Doc is, to maybe become that play driver for his line, to maybe become the type of player who's going to carry the puck up the ice and skate it up in transition, and you know make quick plays in transition in terms of passing plays, given goes, all that stuff. I'd love to see that from Slavkovsky. Um, you know, you can take a bad situation and turn it into a good one if you allow Slavkovsky the opportunity to develop those play driving elements. So, you know. Sovkovsky and Noir are two players that could benefit greatly from this injury, as sad as it is that it happened. Um, there's opportunities for both of them to explore areas of their games that they wouldn't otherwise, because Doc is such a magnetic play driver. A lot of plays go through a sick, a lot of plays flow through him. Um, so having a bit more puck touches open up to Slavkovsky and potentially even Joshua Hua if he gets into that conversation would be fantastic for both of them. But I think eventually Joshua Hua is going to settle into a third line role long term on the Habs. I think that's where he's going to be at his best. Um, I just think it's more likely going to be, for example, on the wing of Monaghan and Gallagher if ever Pearson is traded or, you know, that kind of thing. Maybe eventually Brendan Gallagher becomes a fourth liner full time, um, an expensive fourth liner, but um, I could... I could see that more as speed because right now it's it's rough watching. He's him. out of his depth um, in the top nine for sure. Yeah, exactly. It's been rough and it's so sad because Brendan Gallagher has been a yeah. personal favorite of mine ever since I started watching the Habs. Um, I grew his, up with Brendan Gallagher, right? Like, yeah, <laughs> he, he played his first yeah. season in 2012, 2013. Um, that was exactly when I got into scouting was a 2012 NHL draft. Um mm. I was really young back then, but he was a favorite of mine, and I couldn't believe how far he dropped. And that's kind of what got me into scouting, is seeing how players escape the the the, the scouting grasp sometimes and slip into the fifth, sixth, seventh rounds and become so effective and what makes them kind of special. So it's just, I think that's a great kind of blueprint for Hua, you know, to kind of enter that conversation. Because if Gallagher gets bumped down, if, you know, the lines start moving around, I could very well see a line of, you know, Hua, Pearson, Monaghan end up the year in Montreal. Like, I think that would be a great third line on the Habs. And then if Hua's playing well in that role, bump him up to the second, give him some opportunities with Newhook and Slavkovsky, and we go from there, right? Yeah, for sure. Makes sense. Thanks.
Exactly. So that wraps things up for our second segment. Now we'll head into our third segment. Where we'll talk about uh, a new segment of ours called Keep Up or Send Down. We'll do this ex- exceptionally for this year because there are multiple players who can be sent down this year uh, who are playing in their nine games stint. So we'll talk about all that coming up on this episode of Lockdown NHL Prospects. Jace Medical has got you set up for everything uh, antibiotics related and any um, medical help you need immediately. They can set you up really quickly with uh, five uh, life-saving antibiotics with their Jace case. All you have to do is just fill out a form uh, or occasionally meet up with one of their licensed care physicians. And before you know it, you've got a case of five life-saving antibiotics heading your way in the mail. Really useful when you've got a sinus infection, an ear infection something like that that hits you out of nowhere it's really important to stay uh, prepared for these situations and not get caught off guard we know very well in the nhl how quickly you can get caught off guard um you can get blindsided and uh we can we all know how difficult that can be um so you know easy as one two three and just in time you receive your package the same day you got your infection um if your doctor's out of town if there's supply chain issues in the area none of that matters jace has got you set up um so get twenty dollars off on these life-saving antibiotics today from jace medical by using the code locked on at checkout on jacemedical.com that's j-a-s-e medical.com check it out all right so ending things off with uh keep up or send down we have got one two three four five players eligible to be sent down to the ah to the ohl or the the chl in general after their nine game stint in the nhl we'll talk about whether we would send them up uh, we would keep them up or send them down let's start with kevin korchinski who surprisingly has has made the cut so far and has looked decent right i mean we're talking about a player who's uh, driving play really well with the skating, who's making good passes in transition. I'm not as sold on defensive game. Um, it's not exactly where you want it to be yet. Uh, but let's start with him. Keep up or send down? Kevin Kurchisny. Keep up. Uh, and, and I'm kind of surprised I'm saying that because I've never been the biggest uh, fan of Kevin Korchinski's NHL projection. But I think that it's an exceptional case with the Chicago Blackhawks right now. It's a yep. very, very weak defensive core. And because they're able to give him top four minutes, I think it's more beneficial for his development to stay in the NHL, get those minutes, get those hard lessons done as a rookie, rather than being sent back to the WHL to, what, prove what he's already proven twice over? Uh, like, I, I don't think there's really much to, much to gain for him developmental uh, in terms of development uh, in the WHL. Uh, he's kind of maxed out that league in terms of what he can reasonably learn there. And I think a lot of what he has to learn still are things that you really mainly learn against professional competition. So I think that it's both most most beneficial to his own development, but also to Chicago's success and entertainment factor this season to keep him in the NHL. So yeah. I think everyone benefits by, by kind of keeping him up there uh, for the season. But if he were on most other NHL teams, I might have a different opinion there. Oh, for sure. Um, moving on to, I think this will be an easy one. Zach Benson. Um, still on his nine games. <laughs> still on his nine game stint. Um, we, we, we are endearingly calling this podcast as Zach Benson podcast now because yes. we are both massive fans of what he's got, what he's doing right now. And I don't think it's even close to being a question. Zach Benson is an NHLer and has proven yeah. that so far. If he gets sent down, Sure, for sure. It's just he's been the best player on the Winnipeg Ice um, since his draft minus one. Like, he's genuinely yeah. been the best player on the Winnipeg Ice since he was 16. He has nothing left to learn in the dub. Just keep him no. up. I think, I think that's yeah. the best position for him. 
Yeah, I, I think my only concern going into the camp this year with with Zach Benson staying in the NHL was if they were just going to basically keep him in a bottom six role perpetually for the entire season. Yeah. I didn't think that that would really help his skill game, and I was a little bit afraid that it might hem him in as like a, a like long term as a defense first player that he kind of gets categorized as that. And I think for that reason, going into camp, I was a little bit more on the side of like maybe give him one more season in Winnipeg. But throughout camp, not only did Zach Benson repeatedly prove they deserve to be in this mix, uh, it probably towards the top end of that mix in, in, in Buffalo. But on top of that, Buffalo also proved to me that, that that they're more than willing to give him opportunities to allow him to make mistakes, to 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 just be a young player in the NHL. And it really takes an organization that is really quite forgiving to to, to do that well. And yeah. uh, I think Buffalo has convinced me that that they are able to do so, uh, which makes me now able to unequivocally uh, bang the table to keep Zach Benson in the NHL because it's uh, it's so much fun. Yeah, I mean, right now he's playing on the line with uh, Casey Middlestad and Jordan Greedway on the third line, yeah. which is a perfectly totally fine third line. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 if he was playing with players who couldn't complement his skill set and couldn't keep up with him mentally, that'd be another conversation. But I think that he's well yeah. surrounded still, and he still has opportunities to kind of gain a position in that top six. We saw how good. We saw how well he complemented Tage Thompson's skill set. I could see that as a one-two punch on the line. Kidding. That, oh my goodness, yeah. that could be a fantastic line. Um, but moving on to Matthew Potra. Uh, out of Boston, keep or send down? Probably send down. And I think he plays a very NHL ready game, but I think that if you keep him up right now, you might actually just pigeonhole him as a career long bottom six grinder. Whereas you kind of want to complement the skill and foster the skill. And unlike Zach Benson, I think that that watcher really could use another year in the OHL to kind of fully learn that. And I think that right now, the reason that he still is in the NHL, like, yes, he's played a very, very strong camp. He's gotten off to a good start. But uh, if if Buffalo had, uh, if Boston had strong depth in their lineup, Poitra would already be back in the OHL. So I think that for his development, it might be ideal to send him back down. But we're talking about a D plus one player here who has already shown that he's among the 12 best forwards in his organization. So if they keep him around, just give him those depth minutes, I think it's perfectly fine. But if they want to really work on that skill game specifically, I think that giving him one more season against junior competition would be quite beneficial. But do you agree? Yeah. Yeah, I fully agree. Um, you know, I'm, I'm a bit on the fence regarding how good he has been in the NHL so far, but I think that for his own development, it's a lot better to kind of give him an extra year to round out his game and come back next year with the full confidence of being able to kind of play that that top six role eventually on uh, the Buffalo on the Boston Bruins because he definitely has the skill set for it. I mean, we're talking about a player yeah. who has really improved his goal scoring ability, his ability to get off the boards, to make plays under physical pressure. I mean, those are things that I wanted to see improve in Poitras' game that have just skyrocketed since then. So. I'm really impressed with kind of those skill sets and how he's, he's developed those. But I'm still thinking of Poitra right now's position in Boston and thinking that this might not be ideal for him long term. Um, if the goal is to kind of make sure he's a long term um, solid investment for their top six, probably the best idea is to set him down. But overall, um, if he does stay in, I, I, I'm not as concerned that he won't end up being a top six player. I just think that he, either way, the upside for me with Poitra is a second liner. Uh, and if you can become kind of a, a middle six player who who plays in that role occasionally, that's fine. I just, the concern is obviously whether or not 
going back to the OHL would would kind of benefit him or not. I think it would, um, but time will tell with Boitreau. We'll see how that goes. Um, you've got Pavel Menchikov next. Keep or send down? I mean, we talked about this a little bit in yesterday's episode as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was of the mind that sending him down to the AHL would probably be most beneficial for his development long term, but yeah. also avoids that keeping him around in the in the NHL really wouldn't hurt him too much. Uh, sure. I think that he's he, he's a versatile enough player that he can easily make it work at the NHL level this year, and yeah. Anaheim isn't exactly trying to be competitive, so he hopefully wouldn't be punished too much from, for some rookie mistakes. But uh, what's your take on on Mintikov there? I think if it's if it's you know if it's not the NHL, it's the AHL, but it would not send him down back down to the OHL. He was just he was no. the best player. He was the best defenseman in the in the OHL by a decent margin, and. Yeah. Uh, when that's the case in one year and the next year he can still go back, I don't think it's a good idea to go back. I think the next step is to kind of bring him up a level and see how 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 quickly he can adapt. And he showed his adaptability so far. There was a massive difference between Pavel Michikov in his first game and Pavel Michikov in his second. So that progression gives me promise in terms of maybe the NHL might just be the right role for him. So I'm leaning keep so far, um, even if nice. sending him down to the AHL is an option. Yeah. Perfect. And to end things off, we've got Fraser Mitten. Uh, out of the mm. Toronto Maple Leafs, he's playing on the third line, I believe, in Toronto. Um, keep up or send down? Ooh, it's probably the toughest one so far for me. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to say send down, mm-hmm. uh, even though I think that like, saying send down is purely from a development perspective. I think in terms of NHL quality, Toronto yeah. would benefit by keeping him around. Yeah. But... Minton isn't going to really get big top six opportunities this season, unless there are some horrific injury situations going on in Toronto this year. Yeah. Uh, he, he's going to be a bottom six piece and he's already progressed so incredibly much in the last year with just a single extra season of WHL development after being drafted that I kind of would like to see him get one more season on top of that, just to kind of see like maybe he plateaus it's it's possibly plateaus and that's the wrong decision to send, send him back down to the WHL, but his stock is just still rising against a junior competition that I would want to see him really try to push that as far as it can possibly go. Uh, by sending him back to the, to the dub and uh, giving him one more season. And then next year, you can have uh, maybe a fun third line of Matthew Nyes with Easton Cowan and Fraser Minton. And then you have a, a rookie third line, which I think would be very, very fun. Uh, but yeah, it's a, it's a tough one. I think there are good arguments to go either way. But in order to maximize the potential uh, of Fraser Minton, I think that one more season in junior would help develop his offensive uh, game a little bit more. Absolutely. I fully agree. And it's kind of the same situation as uh, Poitra for me, um, except yeah. with Poitra, there's less depth in front of him. Like Minton has very few opportunities to get involved, even on a second line role. So I think that... yeah. You know, sending him down would be the best idea just to give him an extra year of opportunity to kind of build things off. Tavares is going to be one year older, um, maybe more opportunities in the, in, in the second uh, on the second line uh, in terms of forwards. So, yeah, that's my thoughts on that as well. But that wraps things up for our third segment for Keep Up or Send Down and for the, today's episode. Thank you very much for tuning in. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure to like and subscribe. Leave us a comment letting us know what you want us to talk about next. And if you're listening on your favorite podcasting platform, make sure to make us your first listen of the day. For your second listen of the day, make sure to check out Lockdown Sports today. They've got all your news and updates about what's going on in sports. And make sure to tune in for our, our episode of Friday, where we're going to break down uh, the games of three pretty good forwards in the 2024 NHL draft. And Ivan Demidov, 
Macklin Celebrini and Consta Helenius. This has been Hattie Kalakesh with Sebastian High, and we hope you tune in next time.